Welcome to the Frogcast. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we had this recorded earlier with Jeff. Uh, Jeff ended up with some technical difficulties and he had to drop off for the night. And then um, as I was putting this together, uh, <laughs> found out I, I lost some of the recording. So what was lost is Jeff was asking you, Jeremy, Jeremy's with us, of course, um, about the state of the program. We had already glossed over the West Virginia game, but I don't think anyone's worried about that at this point. Yeah, no one wants to talk about that. Yeah, so Jeff was asking you about the state of the program. Uh, so we're going to re-record that because I lost it and I feel like that's important. And then we will resume where we lost Jeff after this segment. So Jeremy, take it away. Jeff just wants to see me squirm because he knows when I start answering this question that people are going to pounce on me and attack me if I start to defend certain people. But the state of the program, I, I, I don't, I don't feel like it's in as much disarray as a lot of people think it is. I don't think TCU's headed for a uh, six or seven and six, five and seven, four and eight, five and seven, six. I don't think they're headed to that type of run. Uh, I, I I think uh, some of the people there's there's some uneasiness because Gary hasn't made any changes. You look down south and Tom Herman cleans house and 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 that's what really TCU fans wanted to see. They wanted to see Gary make some kind of change and I honestly don't know if he is going to do that still. I mean, we're we're basically just a few days with the season complete. They're focused on recruiting right now. Everyone I've spoken with has said Gary's focused on recruiting. They they've still got major needs. They've got six scholarships left. So that's where the focus is as far as coaching changes go and, and, and everything else. Now, now, do I personally feel that the the state of the program needs to have those coaching changes? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. Uh, to me, I've been pretty forthcoming about where my thoughts are and in my opinions that I think a lot of the, the, the problems with the offensive side of the ball had a, had a lot to do with with execution. Now, if you want to blame the coaches on that, that's fine. Everyone needs a guy to blame, and 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 really, Sonny's become the guy to blame on offense because he is the offensive coordinator. He's gonna he's gonna accept that blame if if the if the head coach isn't making a change, he's gonna get some blame. So, I I kind of feel that Gary's taking a wait and see approach with with everything as far as. Uh, making any changes, but as far as where I think this program is right now, I don't think it's at a crossroads. I don't think that Gary necessarily has to make changes uh, with, with the staff. I don't think he has to let guys go and bring in new guys. Do I think that it would help on offense for them to bring in an analyst that has experience that can give some input like Sonny Dox was last year? I, I think that I think that would help. Um, do I think it's going to make a tremendous change? No, um, but but the the fact of the matter is the defense it's it's in good hands. They 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 had another good year this year. They're right now basically less than a yard from having the top defense in the Big Twelve yardage per game, and that's something that they can use to 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 recruit. And that's that's something they honestly need to use to recruit some of these players, but. As far as offense, everyone that that's the question. I mean, defense, yeah, you gave up some big plays here or there and inopportune times, but overall, defense played good. Gary Patterson had those guys playing. You can't 
you, you should you should be able to beat Baylor when you hold them to nine points in regulation. You should be able to beat West Virginia when you hold them to less than 300 yards. You should be able to beat Kansas State when they literally had 160 yards until their last drive of the game. The uh, the offense, uh, I I really don't have a great answer for it. I I wish I did. I wish, I wish I could sit back and agree with with a lot of posters. But there's there's for me, I try to look at it at it as objective as I can and and look at the whole picture. And I can't I can't erase out of my mind a, a drop pass against Baylor that would have been the difference. A, a couple drop passes against Oklahoma that would have been touchdowns. A couple drop passes against SMU as bad as TC played that game couple drop passes there that's the difference in, in 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 playing a team that is the best team they've had at that university in 25 years and you still lose by three the only game that i could see that tcu just absolutely got their butts handed to them in is iowa state and other than that they got six losses by a total of seven points or less in every game and to me it reminds me a lot of 2013 do they have a lot of those key pieces coming back on offense like they did in 2013. I don't think they do, but that's not that's not to say that they can't make some plays. Max Duggan's going to make some plays. He's going to be a sophomore next year. I think the two running backs are extremely good running backs. Uh, the offensive line, they're going to miss some key pieces, so they've got to get better up front. And receivers, you've got Tay Barber coming back. Pro Wells is another guy that I, I saw make tremendous plays this year. Tavalence Hunt. He he has a chance to make some plays, and they got to get some of these younger guys in that they're recruiting to get in and, and, and make some plays. I think Danny Gray, is, as long as they can keep him, uh, is a type of player that can come in and, and contribute contribute right away and, and kind of fill the void that Jalen's left. But state of the program right now, Daniel, for me, I, I don't think we're headed to, to see TCU rattle off consecutive five and seven seasons or six and six. I, I truly do think, uh, think that they have um, the ingredients com- to compete for a Big 12 championship. Is that going to be next year? I don't know, but it could be two years down the road. And, and I don't think it's going to get to the point where TCU fans are going to be calling for Gary Patterson's head. Now they may be calling for someone else's head like, like they've already done, but it, it's still yet to be seen if he's even going to make some of those changes. We, we got to get through recruiting first. And Gary's the kind of guy that he's going to, He's gonna. I, I don't think he likes. Everyone knows Gary. He doesn't like firing people. I think he's gonna give Sonny every opportunity he can to show him that he's gonna change the offense and 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 try to prove that he can stay on staff. Well, that's a better outlook than I had coming into the show. So that is appreciated. And now we return to your regularly scheduled frontcast. Well, it looks like we've lost Jeff here due to more technical difficulties here on the Frogcast, something we face just about every week. Every week. Um, yeah, it's it's always something. Uh, <laughs> never, never a dull moment. That- and um, uh, during your last answer, Jeremy, you, uh, you mentioned uh, some of the coaches. What, if any, coaching changes might you expect or not expect? That's why I think we lost Jeff, because as soon as I said uh, that they might not make any changes, I think he just dropped off. I think he's I think he's pouting about it right now. 
I, I mean, I don't know, Daniel. I don't know if they're going to make changes or not. That's the billion-dollar question. Everyone's kind of obviously looking on offense. And, and, you know, the folks I've spoken with feel like they don't know if a change is going to come uh, right away. If, if a change does come, I, I personally don't think it's going to involve Sonny Cumbie uh, losing, losing his position. If anything, I think you can see uh, an analyst coming in when I say an analyst coming in, I'm not meaning someone that's just going to sit idle and, and not really have a lot of input. They're going to come in, have a lot of input to where for me personally, I think if Sonny doesn't do a good job, if he is still tasked with calling plays next year, if he's not doing a good job early enough and, and impressing coach Patterson early enough, then I think we could see coach make a change and, and that analyst be a guy that could be someone that could call plays be someone that's that's intelligent enough and and has a lot of experience to where if if you if you do have to drop Sonny then there's going to be someone ready to go. The thing I was talking about earlier with with coach Patterson and 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 how I think he has a tough time firing guys is because I think he's he came from that background. He's been to so many different jobs where he was fired and people didn't want him at TCU in the beginning. They didn't want to hire him. And people had to convince those those guys over at TCU to even give them a chance. And then in 04, they wanted to fire him after the the poor season, five and six. They lose to Tulane. And next thing you know, Gary's getting blamed for everything. They want to fire him. And I think he has some resentment toward that. I think he has resentment toward people telling him how to do his job and, and people telling him that he's got to fire people. I, I, I think he has a soft place in his heart for – uh, for people that work hard. And I know for a fact that the people I've spoken with, Sonny's a, a tremendously hard worker, has a, a great work ethic, and the players like him, and he's a great recruiter, and he's just got to make some improvements on Saturday. And, and that's that's really what it boils down to. And and some of the people I spoke with, it, they, they made a great point about it all. And, and, and I can understand everyone's – Every, everyone's looking at the last two years and even back in uh, 2017 where the offense wasn't great. Uh, it, it, and, and Swint made a good point on, on the board saying it was, it was just all right. It was good enough to get them to a big 12 championship though. And that's, that's something that if they can be all right and still make it to a big 12 championship, that's going to be good enough. But it's, it's one of those situations that I think Sonny, if, if, he struggles early on, then then I think we will see a change uh, next year. But I I don't foresee it coming in and being in the off season. And like I said earlier, the the folks I've spoken with, it's when you make changes, it doesn't always necessarily have to be with people. And people I've spoken with that talked directly to Coach Patterson said that's something he's directly said. Everyone says changes, and they automatically think it's got to be cleaning house and getting rid of coaches and not looking at families and everything else that they have to take care of. And the, the team that was continually brought up to me is Baylor because Baylor had uh, the same defensive coordinator last year. They weren't great on defense. They weren't really experienced, but this year they have some guys coming back. They get more experience and they switched the defense. They changed some concepts on defense and Baylor's defense didn't change coordinators. Same guy calling the plays, and 
they were very successful on that side of the ball this year. So it's, it's a lot to, to process and it's still a long way to, to go till next season. I mean, they've still got spring ball. You've got to, you've got to get through and uh, get through summer, get through spring and stay healthy, get, get through summer off season and, and get ready for fall camp. But it's a, it's a very tough question to ask right now. If you were to pin me down and say, what do I think is going to happen? I think Sonny retains this position and they just bring in someone uh, that that's good upstairs that could help, help them. And if by chance he's Sonny doesn't do well enough, then that guy can come in and call place. I, I don't think it's going to be a guy like Doug Meacham. Uh, some people have asked about Doug. Uh, for you guys, Doug's, Doug's a good guy. I know him very well. And uh, I just, I don't think that's going to happen. And of course, uh, making personnel changes uh, has more implications than just changing up the offense. People say, oh, let's fire so-and-so. But, you know, that could change a lot of recruits' minds on whether they're going to come Absolutely. here. And even, and even current players uh, might decide they want to leave. And speaking of leaving, just this week, our own Jalen Rager has decided to declare for the NFL, uh, for the draft. Um, what can you tell me about that situation? That that's a situation that we knew was going to happen. We started, I mean, I started talking about it last year that even after the year he had as a sophomore, that this was going to be really his last season because he had such a great year last year, got on a lot of radars. Everyone knows about his athleticism. He's going to run a very fast 40. He's going to jump really high. He's going to jump really far. If he can go and show consistent route running and, and consistently catch the ball through the gauntlet, then he'll, people are not going to remember this, this season and the lack of production. And that's the way the NFL works. I mean, he's a rock solid 5'11", 5'11 and a half, 195, 200 pounds, and just athleticism, just oozing everywhere. I mean, he's, he's going to be pound for pound, one of the most athletic guys in the draft, but I, I said this on the board and, and I'm, I'm close with the family and uh, just, just visiting with them. It, it was a decision that was going to be made, whether Jalen had a hundred catches or he had one catch. I think Jalen has pretty much done everything he could do at TCU. They're not going to win a national championship next year. Even if he came back, they weren't going to be a national championship contender. Uh, probably not even a big 12 championship contender. Uh maybe a top two or three team in the conference if, if, if they can uh, be improved on offense. But it's it's being built into he left because he didn't like Sonny Cumbie's production or, or Sonny Cumbie's play calling and, and, and he was upset over his production. If, if that was the case, then Jalen probably doesn't declare for the draft. He probably decides to – transfer somewhere else and, and or try to graduate and go play his final year somewhere else. Cause he's not that far off from graduate. He he's, he's going to come back and get his de- degree, but if he really wanted to, to graduate early, he could probably have been done by May and, and, and really been able to go anywhere else he, he wanted to. So this was a situation where he's always dreamed of playing in the NFL and he knew the time was right. Even with the talented receiver class that they're going to have in the 2020 draft, he's still getting uh, – his family is still getting uh, information as far as where teams project him, and it's still very good. I mean, he's still 
projected as a first or second round pick, day one or day two pick, and and that's very good, and that's that's worth leaving school over. Um, but the the notion of him leaving solely because of Sonny Comby being the coach is is very false. It's it's not true at all. Is there a, a little bit uh, animosity because he didn't have great numbers? Because I think Jalen's big thing was not only to get to the NFL, but I really think he wanted to have a chance at maybe being the all-time greatest receiver at TCU, have the most catches, have the most yards and most touchdowns, which he could have done if he would have been back next year. It would have been, it would have been really tight to do that this year. But uh, I, I think for him, that would have been just a, a personal uh, goal for him to, to leave that legacy. But he's already left a good legacy. Everyone's going to remember Jalen Rager. Uh, TCU fans, especially for the for the rest of their lives, and, and what kind of playmaker he was, just because of of you know the the athleticism and and what he can do with the football in his hands. So tough loss for the frogs, but it it is a, it is the right time for him to leave. So it's interesting how the NFL works in that you can have a less than stellar year and still declare and have a really good shot at being picked high in the draft, and then but on the other side. You've got Ross Blacklock, who had a less than stellar year. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but I think we all kind of expected a little bit more. Um, perhaps it was the injury or something, but he's decided to stay apparently. And what about how is that different? Because um, you described how the NFL works. So how does this how does this translate with Ross? Well, I think Ross is still uh, in the process of making his decision full. Um, there, there is a chance that he comes back. Some people I've spoke with said that they feel like they have a good chance, uh, at, at getting Ross back, but for him, he hasn't played a whole lot of games. He's only played really two years of football. And I think for the most part, teams really want to see three years of film and he's got all the measurables himself. I mean, he's 6'4", 300 pounds. He's, he's got good speed. And he started off the year slow or kind of not as good as everyone expected, but he, but he did quietly have a good year. He had three and a half sacks. He had nine tackles for loss, 40 tackles, and he ended up getting named first team all Big 12. So he, he, he did have a, a decent year, better than, better than what a lot of people thought he would get. I, I don't think anyone in the first year thought he was going to finish uh, being named all big 12, but it, it is, it is weird because you can go and, and watch Ross and, and he, he would be the same kind of freak. He's, he's very athletic. He's got the size. He He's going to run fast and people are going to watch his film and they're going to see how dominant he was as a freshman because everyone thinks they just go back and watch the previous year's film. They don't do that. They, they go back and they, they analyze Basically, from the point the kid got to co- got to college to where they are now, they want to see if they're progressing, if they're digressing, how much improvement they've made, are they getting developed? And for a guy like Jalen, it, it last year was as good a film as as he needed. And there there is no doubt there's people out there that are same way as TCU fans that are saying, well, he didn't have the numbers this year because the offense sucked, and he had a true freshman quarterback and the offense was terrible and somehow or another, he still managed to get 600 yards. That's pretty good. And I think that's what, why Jalen's looking at it from a point that he's still going to get drafted in the first day or two. And, and, and that's why it ma- makes uh, so much uh, sense that he's going to leave early, but 
Ross, if he does come back, you're talking about maybe the difference just based on film and, and his limited play in the last two years. Cause he, it, the other thing is he has a major injury. He was, he was out with an Achilles in 2018. So he's just, he's just now coming back. So even though he played 12 games, he's just now coming back. They still want to see how, how much healthier he is from that major, major injury. So you, you look at it from if he, if he stays, you're, potentially talking about a guy that if he left goes from the third or fourth round to maybe the first or second round. So it's, it's a big decision for Ross. And uh, I know they, they send off and get the, uh, the evaluations and and I'm interested to see where his comes back because I feel if it's a third or fourth round evaluation that TCU has a good chance of keeping them. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I I was I the notes I've gotten says he was staying, so I'm going to blame Jeff on that. Um, I, well, I don't know. I may I may be missing something, Daniel. I don't know. I I unless he's tweeted it. Hold on, I I, I could look it up. Now, mind you, I've been I've been out with my son doing football stuff, and and we just got on this got on this broadcast, so I I can look it up. The 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 magic of the internet. Mm-hmm. Let's see. All right. I don't see – nope, I don't see anything from Ross's notes so yet. No, nothing official. Anything. Okay. No. All right. Well, also, just uh, pretty fresh news. The uh, the postseason awards were announced, and and like you said, uh, Ross was um, first team all Big 12. Something I probably didn't see coming. Uh, I think we were all focused on the offense all season. Um but run us through some of those awards and if there's any surprises or not surprises, I actually don't know the list. Like I said, I've been out of pocket, so I don't, I'm not up to date on all this. I'm probably not the best host right now. So (laughs) you're doing great, man. Fill me in on some of that for filling the audience. Not me. What am I saying? They had, they had 11, 11 guys get, get all big 12, uh, named to the all big 12 team. They had uh, uh, one guy named to the first team offense with Jonathan song. And that was not really a big surprise. Cause he had a really good year, 23 to 24 field goal attempts. Then you had four guys on defense named to the first team, Garrett Wallow, uh, Ross Blacklock, Jeff Gladney and Trey Merrick. And that's, that's, that was pretty cool. Cause Trey Merrick had, a pretty good year. He, he was second on the team with 62 tackles, but it seemed like he made so many more plays than that. And Garrett Wallow led the big 12 in tackles. We all knew he was going to get some kind of mention. He even had some votes for defensive player of the year, but it, it went to James Lynch at your favorite program down in Waco uh, for, for Baylor, Daniel. And, and that's a, that's another big loss for TCU fans since, since he didn't come to TCU, but the, the best award to me was our Darius Washington getting the defensive freshman of the year that that was big I and I think he has quickly become the favorite defensive player for all TCU fans a kid just I and I don't know what it is maybe it's just because he makes plays but I think it's a combination of he just makes plays and he's not that big and it's just cool to see a guy go beyond his measurables to make the kind of plays he makes. But 
uh, it, it's a, it's amazing award for him. That's the third time since 2012 that a TCU player has has earned the the Big 12 Freshman of the Year on defense. Uh, Corey Bethley was honorable mention. Darius Anderson. Uh, they, they had they had you know decent years, not great years, but decent years. Uh, Max Duggan was honorable mention. Uh, he got a vote for the uh, Freshman Offensive Player of the Year, and that was that was uh, pretty exciting because. There, there was Spencer Sanders obviously won the award with Oklahoma State, but it, it is, uh, it's pretty cool uh, for him to get some kind of mention. Jalen Rager and Pro Wells. Jalen got second team. Pro Wells got second team. Pro Wells is the first TCU tight end to get named to an all conference team, first or second team, since 2004 when the late Cody McCarty got uh, named first team all. Conference USA uh, as a tight end. So Pro Wells, man, he had a great year, and it just it, it's it's cool to see him get that get that uh, second team all all conference as a tight end because it doesn't happen very often. Matter of fact, it's it's taken 15 years for a tight end to get named uh, first or second all conference for TCU, and that's a great recruiting tool. Yeah, that's really neat. I, I could not have guessed it would go back that far. It doesn't feel like it's been that long since we've the or since TCU's really used tight ends. Because uh, that feels more like uh, once the high octane air raid showed up, no more tight ends. I really wasn't paying attention that close uh, back that long ago. But dang, um, that's pretty cool. And, and and it's kind of weird, and it's uh, to have the season that we've had, and how disappointed everyone is. But to have that many awards put out, I don't know. It doesn't feel quite as bad. It feels like everything was just a near miss almost. <laughs> well, there is a glaring <laughs> omission from offensive players. It seems like because well, I wasn't going to mention was, that. <laughs> there was only uh, there was one offensive lineman that got honorable mention, Cordell. Cordell got honorable mention, uh, uh, offensive lineman, but some of those guys were hurt. You know, Lucas would have got first team if he had stayed healthy all year, I think. But, um, the thing about it is, is that it's, it just kind of showed that where the offensive numbers were. Tay, Tay Barber got honorable mention, but it, it was kind of a bad year for the offense. And that, that reflects, uh, the number of guys that you had on the first or second team. Well, I was trying to keep it positive, but um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I ruined it for you. <laughs> All right, uh, probably outside of uh, any interesting coaching news, the the number one most interesting topic and the, the one people tune in for is recruiting news. What do you have for us there? Well, the coaches are on the trail. They are on the trail. They're trying to close out the class. Uh, I was told the other night they have six spots remaining and that could always change. That's what happens. I say, I, I say there's that many spots left, but it, it could change. Uh, I will say Chandler Morris is a top priority quarterback. There is a very big need at receiver and defensive end. I, I did a story on the receivers the other day or yesterday talking about some of the top priorities they have. They Not only are they trying to keep or, or get new guys, but they're trying to keep the guys they have, like Danny Gray and Jimmy Holiday. Those guys are still talking to some other other schools, and 
the most interesting nugget I got on Tuesday was the fact that they're back in the mix for Omar Manning. I, If you would have told me that TCU would get back in the mix, I would have said, you're crazy. I'll bet my mortgage against you. I'd, I'd probably be missing a, a house payment right now. I mean, honestly, because I thought there was no way that they could get back in that race. And the good thing about Omar is, and, and, and I've told it to uh, posted a lot about it and, and wrote it in stories. He won't count. They only have six scholarships left, but if they get him, it doesn't count toward that six because he was a former student at TCU already. I don't know how all this works. I'm not a compliance guy. This is just what I'm relayed to. He could come back. He doesn't have to get his AA, which he's probably not going to get until May anyway. He can come back and compete in spring ball. And that's that's really big. And, and for a guy that they need a big, tall, physical, outside receiver, man, that would be a great addition. And and he had a pretty good year at Kilgore. Now, can they, can they get him back in the mix? Malcolm Kelly's trying to recruit him. Malcolm is a good receivers coach. Uh, Omar has people telling him what direction to go because, let's face it, if, if he wanted to come back before this season, he could have. He could have came back and, and played this season for TCU and not had to go to Kilgore, but people talked him into going back to Kilgore and, and, and seeing what his options are going to be now uh, after he's been down there for two years. Nebraska's a team that's recruiting him pretty hard, so that, that's going to be tough, tough to overcome, but if if Malcolm could get in there and, and, and recruit him good enough, and and he was on the list for one of the games, I believe it was Baylor, and I never saw him. I know, Omar is a very very hard kid to miss. You're not going to miss Omar Manning. He's one of the most physically impressive kids you'll see as a recruit. I mean, if he if no one ever saw Omar Manning and they saw him standing on the sidelines, people are going to ask who in the heck is that kid that was wearing a Kilgore jacket or whatever. So. He he's that kind of player, but if they if they can get in the mix for him and get him, that that would be huge. But defensive ends are are really the the primary that they, they need them. I mean, let's face it, they need them. They they didn't have a lot of production this year. They're they're very young at that position, and Parker Workman's already going to be a senior next year, so they're they're losing one guy already. And it's it's one of those positions that they have to have for that defense to be successful. They got a guy. They have to have a guy that's going to get to the quarterback. You're going to look at JUCO guys. There's a couple of guys I don't want to mention yet that are committed to other programs within the Big 12 that they're still looking pretty heavily at, trying to get them in for a visit. And uh, if they do get them in for a visit, it's probably going to be quiet until that Sunday when those kids leave. But this weekend and next weekend is really the only two weekends you have uh, for official visits for guys that are signing early in, on December 18th. Because once once you get through with uh, uh, December 15th, it becomes a dead period, and you can't you can't host uh, recruits on campus anytime after that. And and signing day is the 18th through the 20th, so the early signing period. And I think for TCU, they're trying to get everyone in their class signed up, but you're talking about a five and seven team, but the last few recruits they've got are all some of the top prospects in the country. They got Garrett Hayes, which is by 24 seven, he's ranked as a top 50 player. Then you got Patrick Jenkins who decommitted from 
the number two team in the country in LSU, and he's ranked as one of the top defensive tackles in the nation. He, he switched to TCU. Then you got Jaquay Sorrells, who was one of the top defensive tackles from the 2019 class. He, he never ended up at South Carolina, and he's fallen into TCU's lap. He was rated as a top 15 defensive tackle and a four-star from last year. So that's what I tell people all the time. Don't just look at the overall season and, and think of it as being a downfall for recruiting. It, it takes consistent bad seasons. And the good thing for TCU, especially with defensive guys, the, the top defense in the Big 12 this year, Daniel, do you have a guess? Uh, Kansas. No, no, you're absolutely wrong. <laughs> Oklahoma finished first, three thirty six point one yards per game. TCU had three thirty six point nine yards per game. Oklahoma. So, if you're a TCU fan and you want to have that feather in your cap for for the coaches to be able to recruit the defensive kids. You want OU to win because you don't want Baylor going to Big Twelve champion uh, a playoff. You don't. You just don't want that to happen, and you don't want them to win the Big Twelve championship. You want Oklahoma to win, but somehow or another, you want Baylor to get like three hundred and eighty yards of offense. That way, TCU can finish with the least amount of yards per game in the Big Twelve, and that's something they can use on the recruiting trail. Huh. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost starting to sound like, now don't get me wrong, but no matter how crappy of a year someone like Texas has, they still reel in the big recruits, and it feels like TCU's getting closer and closer to being able to kind of do that, except I don't want to have crappy years, you know. Yeah, but well, it, it, that's the thing. Like every, Everyone's looking at it, and a few weeks ago they were ranked – ninth in the Big 12 in, in total recruiting, and, and now I think they're around six. Uh, they're going to get another four-star here pretty soon. Um, he's already committed. He just hasn't announced it. That's that's. I mean, your, your last – really, your last four commitments have all been four-stars, uh, and, and you're talking about a team that hasn't played that great of football. And so that's, that's really a testament to the job the coaches have done recruiting. And – that's one thing too about a five and seven team because if you're trying to recruit these kids and and you have the naysayers out there saying, "Well, look at their offense. Their offense is horrible. Sonny Cumbie's a bad guy," but then you also look at it from the perspective of look at how bad they were. They're not very good at receiver. You could probably walk in Quentin or Hester out Oklahoma City. You can walk in and guess what? You're going to compete really early. You're going to compete for a starting spot really early. Offensive tackles, you don't think Garrett Hayes – I'll tell you what, Garrett Hayes is a great kid. I talked to him, but I don't think he focuses on football at all. I think he chose TCU because he liked Chris Thompson, but playing time and everything else doesn't matter to him. He just just wants to go to college. But that's another kid. I mean, Garrett Hayes is a kid that could walk into a situation next year to where – He's probably going to start out as a second teamer and have a dang good chance to be a, a starter by the end of the year. And that's that's what you get with these higher profile kids. You get you get them to look at the depth chart, look at the roster, and guess what? Your one of your factors is playing early. You've got a great chance. You've got 
you're a receiver, come on. We've got a true freshman quarterback. Guess what? He's going to be around for the next three years. He's he he didn't have a great year this year. He had a he had a decent year, but just wait till he just wait till he starts playing as a sophomore, as a junior and a senior. He's going to need guys to throw to, and you're going to be young and right there with them. Come come build that bond. And so I, I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing this. I I, I firmly believe TCU is going to finish. They're not going to finish in the top two in the Big 12. They're going to finish right where they've always finished the last three years, number three in the Big 12, which that's good enough to help them compete for a Big 12 championship. Wow. Yeah, recruiting never ceases to amaze me. There's always some new angle to it. It's like 4D chess on crack, um, <laughs> if that makes any sense. It's it's really a, a the, the strategery is um, really interesting, and it just seems like there's a new angle to it uh, every year, um, depending on how the team's done and, and what what way you can approach it. But that's about what we've had, what we had planned for the show. Is there anything else we needed to know this week? Well, uh, keeping on the recruiting topic, I'm, I'm going to try to figure out if there's any official visitors coming in this weekend. I know they're trying to work up something for next weekend with uh, Chandler Morris. Chandler Morris, like I mentioned earlier, he's he's the top priority at quarterback. Um, Sonny came in and visited him on on Monday, and then they also had an in home with he and Chad. And and that's another thing. If people missed it, I I don't unless I'm completely blindsided, which I very well could admit, and I've been blindsided within 20 minutes before. Uh, with news I've been told and then how things change. But I, I don't expect Chad Morris to be offered any kind of offensive coordinator position at TCU. Uh, I think right now the focus is just trying to get Chandler uh, in, involved and in, in, in try to get him on campus and, and let him look at the depth chart. Because right now there's only two scholarship quarterbacks. If Chandler Morris doesn't work out, there might be – I don't want to get the – you know, hopes up of anyone, but there, there, there might be some further evaluation of another local quarterback. That's pretty good, but they're right now they're focusing on Chandler Morris. And I, I don't want to mention another quarterback by name yet, but it is intriguing to them. Hmm. Okay. All right. That is interesting. Good stuff as always. And everyone, in case you haven't yet, uh, go out to go out to uh, Apple uh, podcasts. Uh, some still use iTunes. We're also in the Google Play Store. You can subscribe. You can give us um, a like, a rating, maybe five stars. That's probably about right. And um, what else? Come check out Horn Frog Blitz. We had yeah, a, we had a obviously. we had a great Cyber Monday, man. We had so many new guys pop on the board and. For you guys that are listening and, and, and have always listened, we appreciate you guys. And, and for the guys that have finally joined the site, man, thank you thank you guys so much for giving us an opportunity to to win your business and, and, and keep you around. But, yeah, we're we're going to be having specials uh, pretty much throughout the next couple of weeks. It's the holiday season going on right now. And it, I think right now we have a special for 50% off new annuals and monthly upgrades. Pretty good as well. I would say it's a great stocking stuffer, but it's <laughs> online, so it's kind of weird. So Indeed. anyway, with that, we're going to wrap things up. We're going to wrap things up. Uh, so we will see you probably next week. We're not sure 
what's going to happen. We had technical difficulties this week, so it's going to make it a little bit shorter of a week uh, happening until the next episode. But until we see you then, I am Daniel Southern for Jeremy Clark and the now absent Jeff Mitchell. Thank you for listening to the broadcast. <laughs>